You are listening to the Asking for a Friend podcast, an elder-led ministry of Believer's Baptist Church in Emory, Texas. The Asking for a Friend podcast exists as a weekly resource for the edification and knowledge of God's people. My name is Jason Rowland. I'm the senior pastor and one of the elders of Believer's Baptist Church, and I'm joined by another one of our elders from the church, Philip Castleton. Thank you for listening in, whoever you may be and wherever you may be. May the Lord bless this podcast to you as a means of grace for your spiritual growth. Philip, one of the most frustrating things about living the Christian life is our ongoing relationship with sin. And um, that's the question that we want to address in this podcast. Why do Christians still sin? I think true believers long to be free <clears throat> ultimately from sin right um yes they do in fact you know us um a text that we don't often think about um in regards to our desire to be uh, freed of sin is is one in first peter um which I, I won't take the the time to spend much there but i will say this um I, um as i'm teaching through first peter in a sunday school class i was um really you know surprised as i've been studying through it that um in at the first part of chapter 4 um uh, in first peter it it argues that the one who suffers is ceased from sin right right and i think the argument because he's talking to a, a group of people who are in persecution who are being who are, are exiled um because of who they are and and peter is encouraging them and and he ties it directly to the death of christ he says since Christ himself suffered in the flesh, right? Um, you should also likewise suffer because the one who has suffered has ceased from sin, right, is really the, the argument. And he goes back. He just tells us before um, uh, that, that Christ's suffering was once for all, um, and it was all the way to death is the point. He died once for all to sin. He ties it to the, the believer's um, suffering. And, and, and really the, what, what he's communicating is that... Um, for for us who are who are in persecution, um, um, we should long for the end of sin in our own relationship. Mm-hmm. So we don't have to fear martyrdom, ultimately, right. because if we recognize that martyrdom's um, the the day that I physically die, my relationship to sin is ended. Right. Right. The same way Christ. Slightly different because my relationship to sin was different than Christ's relationship to sin. He didn't sin. I did. I do and, and have, right, and did. Right. But, but in, in Romans, say that 6, again. Romans 6 says that when Christ died, he died to sin once. Right. Right? So in the same way that Christ's relationship to sin ended on the day that he died, right, our relationship to sin ends on the day that we die. If we recognize that, it motivates us in two ways. I can endure suffering. I can endure even up to martyrdom, knowing that the ultimate, the only enemy I have left is the the presence of sin in my mortal being, in my in my flesh, is done with. Right. But then it also motivates me a second way. It means that I can live righteously now. In which case, I have, which means that I must have put away sin in such a way that I invite the very righteous living that would um, cause persecution to come upon me. Right. right. So th- that's an interesting thing, and I've kind of gotten us off topic already. But, but, I, but, it, but true, sin does, um, it weighs heavy on a believer, doesn't it? It does, and I, I think one of the marks of a true believer would be their, their brokenness over their sin, their 
recognition, their realization that um, I, I have the Holy Spirit indwelling me. I, I, I know the Word of God. I, I'm, I'm trying to build my life on the Word of God, and yet I still sin, and I, I hate it. I hate it. Yeah. Um, I'm not longing for it, and I still um, find myself, as Paul says in Romans 7, which was one of the, the, the t- primary texts we're going to look at for this podcast, um, I find the thing that I don't want to do, I do. Right. And we grieve over that. And you're, you're right. It, it will be a relief. It will be the greatest of reliefs. Um, to end the relationship uh, with sin by our death. Well, you know, and this is why Paul could say in 1 Corinthians 15 that death has no sting. Death for the believer has no sting. Why? Because it goes on to say that death, the sting of death is the law, Mm -hmm. right? And law's condemnation on our sin. Mm -hmm. But that was dealt with in Christ. So he took the sting of death. So death has no sting. This is why we shouldn't fear death. This is why uh, death, um, though death is not a good thing in the sense that it is actually the result of sin, right? The original sin and then our own uh, subsequent sins. But nevertheless, for the believer, it doesn't have to be dreaded the way that it does uh, for the other because ultimately it means the end of this relationship, the ongoing relationship that I have with it. In, In Revelation chapter 16, there's a verse that says... Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints, for they have ceased from their work. Yes. Um, And part of what that work is, is the work to constantly mortify sin, to kill sin. Yeah. To put to death sin in you. It's it's work to do that. It's work to tell the truth. It's work to be um, faithful to your wife or your husband. It's work to love your brother as you should. It's or, work. As First Peter would say, it's work to, to, to put away the, the passions which marked us as unbelievers, which made us look exactly like the culture we were around. Right. So um, in that context, they were having to work hard to say, I'm not going to be looking that way. I'm going to look this other way, even if it means that the culture and everybody else comes down hard on me and right. they hate me for it, right? right. It is work. It's absolute work. Right. So we will we will cease from that kind of work, and um, no wonder there's joy in heaven. Why did Paul say, um, do I stay or do I go? Right. I want to go. Right, right. I mean, certainly that's, we're not saying that, that we have a death wish. No, no, no. We're, we're just saying that that is a truth for the Christian that we ought to embrace and be less fearful of death. And it ought to motivate us for righteousness now and for um, even to the point of death. Right. So, but, but in the context of that, Romans 7 is probably the best place if we're going to ask our question, why does sin... Why do, the, why do believers still sin? And the answer is that when we were redeemed um, by Christ, um, even though a salvation comes in stages, if you will, right? We were um, elect. A part of our salvation is election, right? Before the foundation of the earth. We were called, and we have this an effectual call, you know. Uh, there's many stages, adoption. There's many stages of and parts of, of, of sal- the salvation process. What we know in this body, though, isn't our salvation complete. Right. Our salvation ultimately complete with our glorification. So in this, in this body, we know um, all the stages of our salvation. This is sanctification. Yes, except for our glorification, right? right? Which we'll know after death. And ultimately, 
um, when we receive a, a, a new body at the return of Christ. So we have this, this time period where we're, but in this body now, in this life, we know all of that except for our glorification. And so we have this part of our body that's yet to be redeemed. We have right. a flesh that's still attached to us. And it's a flesh that knows the taste of sin. Right. It knows the taste of sin. Um, you know, this is why, you know, these people who, um, you know, a lot of times we glorify uh, when people give testimonies. We often give glory. We, we, we like to hear the testimonies where a person was saved out, out of, after being a hell's angel or, or, or right. something like right, that. Right. But the fact is, is um, it, it's not only does our salvation save us uh, from the sins that, that uh, we've committed, in a real sense, salvation, sometimes the better testimony is the one where God saved a person when they were five years old, and he saved them from their sins. Right. He kept them from a vast majority of sins because he, he purchased right. them. He saved them earlier. But nevertheless, whether you were saved at five or whether you were saved at 55 after being a hell's angel, you know the taste of sin. Your flesh knows it. It remembers it. It liked it. And, and though our battle is, is against that, um, you know, our... Our, our, our spirit says it longs for what is true. You know, it, it, remember when in the in the garden when you're pr- trying to pray, can't you even pray for an hour? He said the the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Right. Right. Um, we we long for the reality of our redemption, mm-hmm. but until we die and ultimately are glorified. Now, when we die, our, our, our situation, our redeemed flesh, we don't have that flesh anymore, so we don't have to deal with sin anymore. Mm-hmm. We won't ultimately know the, the completeness of our of our redemption in, in, in totality until we're, we have a glorified body. But mm-hmm. uh, those things aren't necessarily connected in that sense because our, our relationship to sin ends before we get our glorified body, but mm-hmm. ends when our body dies. Mm-hmm. But that being said, as long as our body lives... Um, it's going to remember that. that, And sometimes it rears its ugly head, and because we're not perfectly sanctified, we give in. Right. And you know, you said something a minute ago that made me remember something that I think it was, I think it was Paul Washer who said. The distinction between um, the saved man and the lost man, in, in, in a lot of cases, it goes like this. The moral guy who, who, who thinks he's in Christ, but he's not, he... he, he uh, he says stuff like this. He says, you know, I used to drink and and smoke and run around and I was a womanizer and I did all these things. Sometimes I surely miss those things, but I don't do them no more, bless God. Right? <laughs> right. That's, that's the lost man. The saved man says, you know, um, the things I used to do, like, and he names off a vice list like that. He says, sometimes I still do them and I hate them. I hate them. Right. That's the distinction. Our, the, the lost man and the saved man still both live in unredeemed flesh. The distinction between the two is that one can't bear his sin. He wants to mortify his sin. Even if it meant mortifying his own body, he wants to deal so radically, if he could, with his sin, that he would end his life. And I'm not condoning ending your life. Right. What I'm saying is that that's the distinction. And and this is exactly what Paul says in Romans 7. And um, in verse 7, I'll just read the text and, and, and make very few comments because it speaks for itself. What should we say then? That the law is sin? By no means. Yet if, if, if it had not been for the law, I would have not known sin. 
For I would not known that it, what it was to covet if the law had not said you shall not covet. But sin, this, this shows you how bad sin is, right? That sin takes something as good as the law and, per, and tries to pervert it. Mm-hmm. But sin, seizing an opportunity through the commandment, produced in me all kinds of covetousness. For apart from the law, sin lies dead. The, the law is given by God as, as a means of grace so that it, it, when we're, it elicits in us um, or it, it, it doesn't cause us to sin. It brings to light the sin that lies within us. The law uh, and enlightens us to that, to that violation of, of God's commands. Right. I was once alive apart from the law, but when the commandment came, sin came alive and I died. It's not that sin came alive in that sense. The sin was always there. The law just made it evident to me. The very command that promised life proved to be death. For sin, seizing opportunity through the commandment deceived me, and through it killed me. So the law is holy, and the commandment is holy, and righteous, and good. Did that which is good then bring death to me? By no means. It was sin producing death in me through what is good, in order that sin might be shown to be sin, and through the commandment might become sinful beyond measure. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh." Sold under sin, I do not look at for I do not understand my own actions. I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now, if, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it was good. The simple fact that I hate my sin is a testimony that God's law is righteous, mm-hmm. right? Right. So now it's no longer I who do it, the, the, the new me, the spiritual me. It's not that that, 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 that is tainted in some way, mm-hmm. but, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is in my flesh, my parentheses unredeemed flesh, right. the unredeemed aspect of me, the part of me that hasn't uh, experienced salvation yet, right? I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want, it's no longer I, but sin that dwells within me. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. Hmm. I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive the law of sin that dwells within my members. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? You know what's so interesting too? He follows all of that up with Romans 8, mm. right? right? All of that. Who will deliver me from this body of death? And then Romans 8 says, Jesus will deliver me from right. this body of death. That's really the testimony. He does it through the work of the Spirit and sanctification. And then you get down to the end and he says, I'm more than a conqueror, even if I die. In fact, I'm going to die. I have all the promises of God's love in me. Right. Right. He follows all of that up. Who will deliver me? Christ will deliver me. Right. When will he deliver me? Ultimately, when he glorifies me is what he's going to say in Romans 8. Right. That's when he will deliver me. But until then, I have an ongoing relationship with sin only. Now, don't get me wrong. If your relationship to sin isn't different now than it was before you were a Christian, you aren't a Christian. Right. Your relationship is different. Romans 6, go back one chapter. It says that you were a slave to sin. Right. 
Now, just because sin re- remains in in your flesh, doesn't mean that you are no that you are still a slave to sin. If you're not as if you are still a slave to sin in that sense, um, then you're not a Christian. W- the understanding is that when I sin, what I do is I give myself back over voluntarily to slavery. Mm-hmm. That's the picture, right. right? I've been freed. Sin has no, cannot demand of me what it used to demand of me. Right. But sometimes, because it, I remember the taste, I voluntarily give myself back over to it. And that's what should be progressing, happening less and less and less as we progress yeah. in our sanctification. That's right. Um, do you not know, this is Romans 6, do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. So basically what he's saying is that one of the the great works that is done in us by substitutionary atonement and our um, being drawn to believe is that we are free now from the captivity of sin. Anytime that you or I sin as a believer now, um, we have um, willingly um, chosen to do that sin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to place ourselves back under, um, you know, this, this umbrella, if right. you will, right? And so we can say, well, it's, it's, it, it was because uh, I had a bad morning. It was, it was because I was frustrated at my wife. It's because m- my bank account was short. We, we can blame it on all kinds of other things. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it's like when um, I get mad at, at my spouse and I say, well, you made me act that way. No, I chose to do that. And that is the true reality of all believers who are truly in Christ. You have determined to go back and uh, for whatever gratification of the flesh it gives you, right. um, you have determined to do that. Yeah. yeah. But the, what you're saying is that the, the Apostle Paul from Romans chapter 7 and some of the greatest chapters and best writing of all the scripture is Romans 6, 7, and 8. Yeah. But Paul is saying in chapter 7 um, that I'm free from the ultimate penalty of sin. I'm free from the power of sin because it doesn't enslave me. The controlling principle, yes. yes. Yeah. But I am dwelling with this, the, the presence of sin still dwells in me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and the way that I understand it, like I said, I, I, you know, I can only articulate things the way that I understand them, but is that um, it's like, and I've, I've used this word a couple times already, it's like that I, I know the flavor. Right. right. That's good. My flesh knows what it tastes like. Right. Right. And so that's why sin's attractive. That's why, um, you know, the person who's never, um, God is in, in his grace has kept in his providence has kept some people from certain things, right? In, right. in their life. The, the kid who saved at five, right? And right. I, it, it's such a wonderful thing there because there's certain sins that um, because they don't know the, f- the the flavor of those sins, they don't rear their head. Right. 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 Um, and that this is why, um, you know, we, we train up a child in the way they should go and all these things. We don't want um, them to have those experiences. But nevertheless, but, but th- that's the way I understand what he's communicating here. He's yes. saying... My heart, my mind, my my spirit wants to obey the law perfectly, but 
because of what remains of me that has known this thing before, the taste of these sins and whatever, they um, they rear their ugly head. Sometimes what in a moment, what is more satisfying is um, gossip than truth. Right. Right? And so um, I know... I know how gossip temporarily satisfies, mm-hmm. right? I've been there before, right? Mm-hmm. I know what saying that mean thing about somebody, how that, how that gives me sat- temporal satisfaction, and sometimes it rears its head, and instead of truth, out of my mouth comes sin, right? right? And so I think that's how we have to understand that. Yes. But what it should then immediately uh, be in the believer is that he goes, oh, I hate that that just happened. I hate that that just came out of me. Right. And we need to go one step further. So what do we do when we do sin? Repent. We repent. We confess our sins. He is faithful and righteous to forgive us. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, Romans 8, 1. So our tendency then when we do sin as believers, if we take our sins seriously and we take our relationship with Christ and um, seriously, our tendency is to then condemn ourselves and, and the voices that speak inside of us about how unworthy we are. Um, and we, we, because our view and our understanding of God is tainted, uh, even as a believer, I, I don't think we have the fullness of understanding the grace of God and the mercy of God toward us. And we tend to think that God is going to react like we would react of one who sins against us and we and so we we don't i'm not saying that we um don't do self-inspection and and think about it and see that it's a sin against god and recognize it but i am saying let's rejoice in god's grace that he is willing to forgive the sinner he's not meeting me with a club well that's why he doesn't leave us in romans 7 Right. That's why when he says, you know, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death, right? Right. He goes on to say, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, with my flesh, I serve the law of sin. He's going on to say there, though, um, if he didn't, if he had left us with Romans 7 and we didn't have a Romans 8, oh, this would be a, a horrible picture, wouldn't it? Yes. But he doesn't leave us there. Right. He goes in and he says, now. Look, this is who, what Christ, who is, what, what he's done, how he's enabled. Um, this is what salvation looks like. This is, in fact, it, Romans 8's been called the pinnacle of, of redemptive revelation. Right? right. I mean, it's supposed to be one of the, the, the most pristine pictures of, for us of, of, of grace. Right. We need to recognize that God does embrace us as sinners, even um, as we sincerely confess and recognize I'm not saying be easy on our sin, but but there's a, a sense in which Jesus says, I'm gentle and lowly. Right. And there is a sense in which he comes alongside the, the burning uh, wick and the bruised reed. Mm-hmm. I mean, he is there to forgive and to give grace and to sustain us in the moment of even the consequences of our own sin. Right. So um, when we sin... Um, I have a tendency, personally, um, depending on the the circumstance, um, I have a tendency to, you know, take a cat of nine tails and and whip myself, yeah. and you know, just beat myself up. Um, 
which is really an affront to God's grace. Yeah, that doesn't, um, like I said, you said it earlier, um, guilt is a good thing. Guilt is, um, in our society, has been set aside as as something that no one should ever experience. Well, that's not biblical. Right. Guilt is a good thing. Sin should bring about guilt. Right. Guilt should cause us confession and repentance, and what we find is grace in both of those things. Right. Uh, guilt in itself is an act of grace by God. Uh, a, a conscience that doesn't feel guilt is um, is horrible. Yes. So we, uh, uh, guilt is, is a gift of God that he gives us through the conscience. And then when we sin or when we even it, it beyond the conscience, which it means with knowledge, mm-hmm. conscience. The, uh, but that being said, uh, no, it, guilt is a good thing. But, yeah, we shouldn't stay there. If, if that's where if we if we hang out in, in Romans seven, um, we're going to end up being really depressed. Right. Right. And, and no victory. But Romans eight says there is victory and it was victory in Christ. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, um, praise God that he has made a way to do away with our sin. Praise God that he helps us in our sin. You know, we have an advocate. First John talks about that. Yeah. We have the one who um, is interceding for us, as Romans 8 says. Mm-hmm. So um, be of good cheer because God is gracious, um, but at the same time recognize that Yes, sin is serious. And so, once again, as we come to the end of this podcast, we pray that God would use it to bless you, to edify you, be a means of grace to you. And we always are welcoming any ratings or reviews or any word of mouth advertising that you can give us, um, any shares that you can give. Uh, We appreciate that. In fact, everybody probably ought to go. If you listen to this on your phone, uh, go down and hit those buttons at the bottom and send it to the people in your contact list. Just share it. Right. Send it to them. Right. And um, they can listen. They don't have to. But, you know, we're commanded to share the gospel. We're commanded to to um, uh, to let wholesome things come from us in, in the context of, of the way we live our lives, the way we communicate, what we give. And so, for, for uh, you know, it, it can't hurt. You know people, Christians, non-Christians, um, the worst they can do is not listen or turn it off. I mean, uh, our feelings aren't going to be hurt if they if they say bad things about us. They'll have to answer for God, to God for that. Send. Just send these things to your friends. Send them to your neighbors. Send, give them to your coworkers. Uh, maybe um, it'll be a blessing. Right. And thank you for doing that. Grace and peace. Grace and peace.